0: Greetings and welcome to our Pulse and Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins, and I greatly appreciate you have joined us today. Throughout this year of 2022, God has led me to emphasize unity among the Church of Jesus Christ. As written in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, the Apostle Paul wrote to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now especially in these last days in which we live, I believe God is calling His Church and His Bride to come together as one in Christ. And in doing so, it really displays the beauty of what we are all to be and how his church and his kingdom will grow and reach our world today. So as we go through the word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and give you wisdom and revelation as to how we are called to be his unified church and then sent out to be witnesses of his word, his love, and his presence. I pray that you will be blessed by our podcast and that you will be edified and enriched in God's word today. So may God bless you all. Take a Bible from the seed. You can follow along. And, and what I like to read for my family is Luke chapter 2. In reading this story, let's, let's read this and look at it together. Verse 1, it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea in Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house of the line of David. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, They spread the word concerning what had been told about them, this or this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God all of the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, as we read this familiar story, the story again of your birth, of your coming, Lord. That today we're not just reading a story, you are more than a story. Lord, you are here today, you are present with us, and I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us even now, Lord, how we may apply this word of, of this great miracle of your birth to our lives today. in Jesus name. Amen. That's what I want to talk about is the miracle of Christmas, because it is a miracle, how He came. How many of you believe in miracles? Yeah, I do. I believe in miracles. Christmas is the time to remember the miracle of the birth of Jesus. And it is a time to see how his miracle working power uh, still happens every day in our lives. Now, if you look up the Webster's Dictionary version of a miracle, a miracle is an event or action that contradicts known science and is thought to be due to supernatural causes. Thought to be due. Uh, especially of an act of God. And, uh, you know, I would say miracles don't often come when we expect them, right? That's what a miracle is. It's an unexpected event. It is something that just happens, and we're just like, we pray for miracles. We believe they will happen, but and then we're kind of surprised when they do, or kind of. Yes, we are surprised. It's awesome. I've seen miracles happen. I've seen people's eyes open and ears open, and... Things that, you know, that are just have to be God. And God's still here. He still does miracles today. And um, you can't force miracles to happen because they really are supernatural. How, how many of you have had God mess up your plans before? Any, anyone? <laughs> you have great plans, everything God just bless this because this I have the plan all figured out. And God said, no. <laughs> no, I have a I have a different plan, a maybe and a better one, usually. And that's how this story really was. The Christmas story was a messed up plan, you may say. When life doesn't work out quite like we intended, God wants us to trust him. Next time you're inconvenienced, maybe you should look at it a different way. God is doing something miraculous behind the scenes. And I don't always look at it that way. I don't always look at God. But I often will talk to people when there's there's events or even hardships or anything. And I can ask the one question is, where is God in this? And you may say, God isn't in this. Well, when we rebel and when we turn from God or we resist God, there might, God might not be in that. But when it is an event or a thing that God is instituting, there, or even a hardship, you, go, you can say, God, where are you at in the midst of this? Or where can I find you? Sometimes we'll find him right where we left him. Sometimes when we did turn, like the, the prodigal son father, that story that... He let that rebellious son or that prodigal son leave. He didn't hunt him down. He didn't chase him down. But that son had to finally come to his senses where he finally came back to the father. And, and the father didn't go, I told you so. He didn't, he didn't guilt him. He didn't shame him. And actually, when he first saw him, he ran. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says she gave birth to a son, and you will give him the or she will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus' name means. God saves. And his name talks about being our Savior. Matthew 1 23, a couple of verses later, it says, The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. And we can know that God, not only God is with us, but even Jesus' last words to his disciples said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, you know, in that, he's saying, I am with you always. God comes, he intersects our daily lives in many ways, and he wants us to recognize him, recognize his presence. Look for him. God, where are you at in the midst of this? My first point today is God comes near when we least expect him. God comes near when we aren't even looking for him. Because he will pursue you. He will always pursue you. He will always seek you out even when we are resisting him. And in Luke 2 that we talk about, that we read about this morning that Caesar Augustus issued this decree and The census should be taken for the entire Roman world, and everyone went to the town to register, because Mary, because Joseph belonged to the lineage of David, he had to go to Bethlehem. Most likely, Mary and Joseph, this would have been a huge inconvenience. It would have been very frustrating knowing that the government that was, you know, had taken over their world. You may say was forcing them to go to their hometown so they could be taxed more. How many of you enjoy being taxed more? Anyone? Anyone? It's still applicable today. You know that it was a huge inconvenience and one they probably were disgruntled about. From Nazareth to Bethlehem was 80 miles. And there was at least, you know, you may look at this, it probably was about a four-day journey not only to mention that Mary was at full term, um, I don't think any pregnant ladies would have liked to have walked or, you know, no, at full term, <laughs> right? Um, this happened uh, last week. If anyone was here during the storm of the of the week, the last Tuesday, last Tuesday, uh, well, Kyle and I we were. We were partners together on an ambulance all day that day and night, and it was blowing, and I don't know why people were even out on the roads, um, but because we're ambulance service in Polson area that we were out there, and a gal got, uh, went into labor. Her first child in the Ronan area, but not only just the Ronan area, it was off a of Foothills Road up by the mountains. So our ambulance crew from Ronan went out there, and guess what? They got stuck. They got stuck in a drift that was about three feet tall. And so what ensued is calling the fire department. I called, uh, I called Jim Allen in our church because he's a plow guy. He got a hold of a couple other plow guys. They went out there and, and were able to plow up to this person's house or this gal's house. And uh, we were able to, I was able to go retrieve another four-wheel drive ambulance to get up there. And uh, by the time she got to the ambulance, I think she was about a minute and a half apart. So when we got to the hospital, uh, Clara, who's also in our church, who's an OB nurse, we arrived at uh, St. Luke's, and she had told me later that it was within the hour that she gave birth to her first child. So... (laughs) That was a miracle, right? Uh, Obviously stuck in a snowstorm, and it was a crazy night out there last Tuesday. That's kind of a real story about God protecting God, doing a miracle, God uh, protecting this little one's life, and and so on. And so it wasn't born uh, in the home or in the ambulance on the way there. But it's interesting how God intersects our in our inconveniences, how he wants to show himself to be true, how he shows himself, I am still here even when you're stressed out. I am still here in the midst of this. It's interesting that God used an ungodly king, Caesar, to fulfill a prophecy of Micah. The Micah prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. I don't even know if... Joseph and Mary, they had realized, I mean, God had said that you're going to give birth to a son, a child that would be uh, savior of the world. And yet they probably didn't put two and two together at first. We have to go to this town. I mean, they would have grown up knowing that that prophecy was about the Messiah being born in Bethlehem. They probably would have known that. But when they got there and then there was no room in the inn... They got there, and I'm sure Joseph was a procrastinator. He forgot to make reservations. You know, I mean, that husband, of you know, (laughs) forgot to make reservations, and so that's what happened, you know. Um, Get there, and of course, they're inconvenienced again. And then she goes into labor, and of course, there's no room for them except for a stable with a bunch of stinky animals right god used a roman census that registered people for taxation purposes and they were required to go there of all the lousy times to make a trip but god was at work and god was at work when they least expected him and god comes near to us really at any time He comes near in the middle of our difficult circumstances. Look for the presence of God. Look for his activity around you. Can you see him? Can you look for him and say, God, show me where you are in this? Because I'm really struggling right now, and he will. He is there, he is with you even in the midst of that. Miracles happen right where you are. Where does God come near? And I would say he comes near right here. Right where you... He comes near whether we allow him or not, but he, we can see him a lot more when we do allow him to open our eyes. For Mary and Joseph, this was unexpected. And it was even an unexpected pregnancy. How many of you were unexpected pregnancies? Anyone? Yeah. You know, all those things that it's like, I didn't plan this. This wasn't in my... This wasn't in my lifespan. This wasn't, you know, the way I wanted it. God can do anything. And he did. Then when they arrived, you know, they went to the stable. They had no room, but Jesus was born in this little tiny town and placed in this manger in a stable, a feeding trough for animals. There was nothing fancy about it. God came in his simplicity, he came in humility, he came in a way that none of the Jews would have recognized it, none of the Pharisees recognized it. Of course, all the religious people who should have recognized it, the one who even had a star, a Bethlehem star, that the wise men would eventually come and and find him too. But we sometimes look for God in all of the wrong places. Sometimes we look for him where he is not. But God is with us. Not only does his presence show up here at church, but he shows up even in the most unlikely of places, in a stinky stable. Have you ever found God in the midst of a difficult circumstance? Have you found him when he wanted to show himself to you when you didn't like the situation you were in? I have. God placed me in places in my life in jobs, in places that I, I honestly despised. I was angry where God had me in those moments. I was angry and said, God, you are not in this. And and until I finally submitted in humility and accepted where he had me, I was miserable. Joe was maybe a little miserable too. But <laughs> Sometimes we put God in a box, but God wants to be let out of the box. Don't confine or narrow what God can do in your life to what you have as an idea, what God should or should not do for you. Look for him everywhere, even in the most unexpected of places. Secondly, God comes near in simplicity and humility. And this is this is where he came in this as an example to us of humility and simplicity as a child. He could have come in riding on the horiot. chariot and and with horses and everything they expected the messiah would do but instead he came as a babe in humility as a baby in simplicity that's what he invites us to do too humble yourself under god's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time he opposes the proud but he says he extends or gives grace to those that are humble God can't work with us when we are so prideful, when we are so resistant. You know, if you were God and you were planning on coming to earth to save people from their sins, how would you do it? I mean <laughs> pomp and circumstance, you know. Uh, like Hollywood, you'd spend millions of dollars and get ready for the new release of the Messiah. You know you would have done something spectacular you'd have you know lights and everything, but in the Old Testament, God did something you know he didn't do that in the Old Testament God did some incredibly miraculous events, parting of the Red Sea, some uh you know incredible things in the old testament uh, but did that totally change the people? Those miraculous things were all of the things that Moses experienced, did that change the people? No, it didn't. A miraculous event doesn't necessarily mean that it changes people. They miss it. Sometimes we do miss that. Uh, look what happened to the Israelites a week after the Red Sea part. You know, they forgot. They didn't care. They started complaining. Jesus also did many miracles it didn't convince everybody. It's not just the miracles God wants us to see, to believe. He wants us to see him in a way he did uh, th- that I came in humility and simplicity. And that's really how he lived all his life. And that's how he only until the last few years did he, of his life did he do that miraculous ministry years. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a little yeast in a lump of dough. It doesn't take much. And soon the whole lump starts to rise. And that's how God works. It will often start small, but then it changes everything. Jesus came as a baby. He changed the world because of that. Don't underestimate small things, small beginnings. One time when I was... uh, going through a struggle, and this was more of a a job, ministry struggle, and things like that, and someone asked me once, Greg, can you, because I was playing the same broken record over and over, complaining, miserable. I was just like, I I just wanted to vent. And I'm not saying venting isn't a bad thing to do. It's okay, you know, in the context of a a godly counsel, and I was seeking this from a pastor friend of mine at the time, and I was just kind of going on about it. And he goes, basically, he said, Greg, are you ready to quit complaining? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not, you know. He goes, are you ready to stop complaining about it? And I'm like, ah. I like complaining about it. I mean, <laughs> but it was in this time, and this is all I could I could see at the moment. And he goes, Greg, are you willing to start over again, even if it means forgetting what you've already done? And I didn't want to accept that part, like. I had already achieved, you know, you may say a status. I've already achieved something. Why would I go down below that? And that's the way the world looks at status sometimes. I've achieved this status. Why would I ever go under what I've already gotten? And that's where God wanted to meet me. And I had to accept that as, I'm not saying this is for everybody, but at me in that, when I finally submitted to that place of humility and simplicity, when I said, God, if you want me to become nothing, then I will. I will humble myself and become nothing, and if you so choose to use me in a ministry setting or a leadership position, I will let you do that in your time that's when everything started to change in my life. That's when I started to say, God have your way and not Greg's way. And that's when I started to say, see, God given me peace and joy again because I had maybe stole it from myself. It wasn't, I couldn't blame the devil. I could only just blame myself because of my poor attitude at times. And it was at that place God met me and he goes, Now, now that you've accepted my plan. And it took me a number of years to achieve, I guess you could say, the place that I eventually would be in a leadership or authority figure. And I'm like, that was so cool when I finally found joy in the stinky places. And it it was a stinky place. I had a job that was kind of stinky. Working with people that were difficult. But I had a new joy and a a desire to go there and to accept that as my ministry. And it was way different. See, God will meet you right where you uh, simplify your, your own heart and attitude. It might start small, but it does change everything. God used Mary and Joseph who were poor, they were insignificant, they were nobodies. God also announced the birth to nobodies, to a bunch of shepherds. Do you see how God does this? He didn't come to announce it to the Pharisees, who are the religious people. He came to the shepherds. He came to Mary and Joseph. He came to those, you may say, that are innocent. That's how he came. They were insignificant, In Nazareth, everyone, you know, even joked about Nazarenes. You know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That was the joke of the day. God also came near to a group of shepherds, you know, those people that were unclean, these outcasts. God didn't pick up, you know, he didn't come in in the pomp and the circumstance Who does God come near to? God comes near to those who are humble enough to believe. God came near for you, for everyone, and by coming to the nobodies first, he shows how he includes everybody. He includes those that were least expected to be accepted. No one was disqualified, and Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but to come to sinners. Who did Jesus come for? He came for you and me sinners and i take great comfort in that quality or that i qualify and so do you you qualify i'm a sinner and i need jesus even though i know god has saved me i still sin i still make mistakes but in christ it is no longer my identity it is no longer in control of my life. That's the difference. I don't live in sin. I don't continue to live a sinful life. We need to allow Jesus to be our Savior and Lord, first of all, to save us from our sin, and secondly, then to walk in the Spirit so that we don't gratify the desires of our sinful nature. And so then his fruit starts to blossom in our life rather than the deeds of our sin. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is the greatest miracle of all. How many of you are in need of a miracle today? Amen. What is God speaking to you right now? Maybe in this story on this Christmas morning together, he's speaking something to you that he wants to meet you right where you are. That he is near. God is near and he wants you to know that even if you don't feel like it, he can show up. That's the miracle of Christmas. I just want to close in prayer today and and I want to pray for you. I want to pray that the greatest gift of all, the greatest present we can receive is his presence. And so, Lord God, we thank you that we are reminded of your incredible gift to us the miracle of christmas it just shows us by the these words that we read today these are testimonies we can apply this to our own life today maybe even a little bit of my testimony today can speak in prophetic prophetically to us lord of the midst of things that we may be going through as well to give us encouragement to give us hope To build our faith, Lord. That, Lord, and probably more than anything, we can let you be God. God, you are with us, Jesus. Emmanuel, you are with us. And, Lord, I believe you speak to each of our hearts. You assure us that you have a plan, even better than our own. That you are here, God, and we welcome you We thank you that you are still a miracle-working God. I know, Lord, it says to seek after you, Lord, and and you will give us then the desires of our heart. But it is first in seeking your desire above my own. And Lord God, I thank you that we can just completely uh, rely on you and find you even in some of the stinky places in our life. Thank you, Lord, for this in Jesus' mighty name, we say, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. My name is Billy, and I'm the online media director here at Poulson Foursquare. I hope that the message was encouraging to you. And if it was, consider subscribing or following us or even sharing it with a friend. If you're looking for more information, you can find that at pulsonfoursquare.org or check out our Facebook. With that, I hope that you have a blessed week and we'll catch you next time.